This is the Reformed Libertarians Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute with Carrie Baldwin and Gregory Baus. We explore free society from a Reformed perspective. You can find us at reformedlibertarians.com. We talk about culture, society, politics, economics, theology, philosophy, worldview, and more, helping those interested in liberty and human flourishing to think about them based in the Reformed faith. This is episode one, and we're introducing some basic ideas of Reformed libertarianism. I'm Gregory Baus here with Kerry Baldwin, and we'll be talking about, in a general way, what Reformed means, what Libertarian means, and its connection to Reformed. We'll also introduce ourselves and say a word about who we imagine this podcast is for. So touching on the history and beliefs of the Reformed faith, Kerry, how would you explain what we mean by Reformed when we say, for example, we're Reformed Christians and talk about being Reformed Libertarians? Yeah, so the term Reformed is a reference to the historical Protestant Reformation and the teachings that rose up out of that. So this is usually credited with Martin Luther around the year 1517 when he posted his 95 Theses. And the 95 Theses were Luther's theological disputation with the Roman Catholic Church over the practice of indulgences. But even before Martin Luther, you had a number of maybe you might call them proto-reformed movements or guys who were calling out the medieval Catholic church. So these are guys like Peter Waldo, John Wycliffe, Jan Hus, and many others. So Luther's grievances concerning indulgences brought to the surface other doctrinal positions of the Roman Catholic church that were not in accord with the historic and orthodox teachings of Christ and his apostles of the ancient church. So alongside Luther's reformation, you might say, was a movement happening in Switzerland with Ulrich Zwingli. He was a contemporary of Luther's and he inspired a parallel reform movement, which took off with the protest of the observance of Lent, of the practice of Lent. And so Lent, for those in the audience who don't know, Lent is an annual observance of a 40-day sort of corporate practice of penance and fasting. And it's historically been with some prescriptive commands by the church to refrain from you know, eating certain foods or doing certain things. And so in this case, the Catholic Church forbade the eating of sausages or meat during Lent. So Zwingli was protesting the church's practice of that. And then by the 1530s, these reform movements had largely coalesced into evangelical or Lutheran churches. And then there were also simply reformed or sometimes nicknamed Calvinist churches. So that's that's a basic overview. All right, I got to jump in. Fair of the Sausages is the name of the kind of event that kicked off the Swiss Reformation. Mm -hmm. And Christoph Froschauer was the guy who headed that up. He was a printer. Mm -hmm. Apparently, his company still exists. That's what they said on Wikipedia. Yeah. I thought that was odd. I didn't know that. look into that more. Yeah. Anyway, we'll have some show notes in the description and so on on that. Cool. So... Yeah, I would say that the distinctive beliefs that are at the heart of the Reformation has to do with, well, first of all, there's a number of beliefs that unite Protestants. So in addition to being Trinitarian and recognizing the two natures of Christ, that he's fully God and fully man in in his one person, and also holding to the ancient creeds of the Christian church. So this would include the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creeds, for example. Some common teachings about church, scripture, and salvation 
are really characteristic of historic Protestant beliefs. So one of which is known as the five solas. So this is the idea that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, based on scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. Now, Lutherans and the Reformed hold some nuanced distinctions on these, but we still consider them, you know, faithful Christian brethren. But historic Protestants also hold to at least one of the historical, quote, statements of faith or what we call confessions. So Lutherans hold to the 1530 Augsburg Confession with the apology or the defense for that found in the Book of Concord. Then you have the 1546 Westminster Confession, the 1561 Belgic Confession, 1564 Second Helvetic Confession, and then similar documents. So you've got some catechisms and other things that go along with that. It's worth noting that we Reformed libertarians hold to the historic disestablishmentarian corrected form of our confessions. So we'll get into this, what this means in future episodes, but basically this means we don't believe in unifying church and state as sanctions of each other. So we don't believe in, you know, Christian theocracies of any kind, including so-called Christian nationalism, theonomy, reconstructionism, and the like. Right. Or the historic form of that being civil establishments of religion. Right. Uh, That's what we mean by reformed, affirming a historical reformed doctrinal standard as a summary of what the Bible teaches. And we hold that this is best understood in terms of what we call a covenantal redemptive historical interpretation that acknowledges the eternal covenant of redemption, the covenant of works before the fall, and a unified covenant of grace after the fall. Right. So Gregory, why don't you also explain how we are not evangelical, how we don't use that term? Well, we're not evangelical if that's taken in a strictly synonymous sense with Lutheran, of course, but all historical Protestants might be considered evangelical in the sense of holding to the Bible alone, or you could say it, the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible as the final authority in matters of doctrine, as the special revelation, inerrant word of God. However, there's another sense of evangelical that has developed in the U.S. and some other English-speaking countries since the time of the so-called Second Great Awakening in the early 1800s. Briefly, evangelical has come to refer to those who affirm personal faith in Jesus, but who don't really knowledgeably affirm or who aren't members of denominational churches that clearly affirm any historical Protestant confession. So as confessionally Reformed Protestants, we're not evangelicals in that typical sense. We are, of course, however, quite evangelistic, which means we're actively engaged in spreading the gospel message, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, salvation from sin and God's holy judgment. Jesus came to save sinners through his life of perfect obedience to God on a sinner's behalf and his willingly suffering death the death and penalty of God's wrath that a sinner deserves in their place. And having risen again and ascended to God's throne, Jesus guarantees eternal life to such sinners. The scriptures tell us that while everyone has sinned and deserves God's everlasting condemnation, a sinner is declared perfectly, fully, and irrevocably righteous by God's free gift of grace through Jesus' work. God having sent him as a redeeming substitutionary sacrifice that completely satisfied God's justice. So if you hear this message about what Jesus has done to accomplish salvation, and you know you are a guilty sinner in need of such salvation, put your full confidence in Jesus Christ, trust him for it, 
and you can be assured he has done it and cannot fail to save you. Jesus is the only Savior, and he is the Lord who will return to judge everyone. So repent of, turn away from your sin, and whatever else you once put your hope in and believe Jesus and his work on your behalf is the only hope of your salvation from the condemnation you deserve. That's it. That's the announcement of the good news of the gospel and its call to put your faith now in Jesus alone, who fully and freely saves. Amen. This gospel and the effects of this gospel on our whole lives is what grounds and motivates our libertarianism. So Carrie, what do we mean by libertarianism? Yeah, so libertarianism is a political philosophy or a view of politics or of civil governance, right? How is civil governance supposed to work? It's not a worldview, but it can be understood within the context of various worldview perspectives. It's also not so-called metaphysical libertarianism, and this is a view about human free will that denies God's sovereignty. What libertarianism does is offers an answer to the question, what is the legitimate use of physical coercion? So it affirms the fact of what we call self-ownership and property rights, and also the corresponding obligation of non-aggression. So basically what we mean by that is that every human is the owner of themselves and their justly acquired property. And that entails a universal obligation to not initiate coercion or commit aggression against another person or their property. So the answer to the question then, what is the legitimate use of coercion, is only in proportional response against the prior initiation of force from someone else. So there are various implications for this. One includes that government must operate in accord with this principle. And we find most frequently that it does not. And then the other implication is that the economy must be freed totally from all economic regulation. So any and every economic regulation or restriction on the peaceful acquisition or use of any resource is a violation of the obligation of the non-aggression principle and is therefore illegitimate, not to mention highly destructive of human flourishing. Now, how does this connect to Reformed theology? Reformed Christians all understand or would understand these libertarian principles within the context of God's ownership of us and all things, just as Colossians 1, 15 through 17 points out. And we understand God having given us a primary stewardship over our own life and resources. And that's also evidenced in scripture as well. So when we talk about a person's self-ownership, we're talking about this in respect to other people. So we're self-owners with respect to others, but with respect to God, we are self-stewards. And I also want to note that this may sound individualistic, and I'm sure that we'll get into this more in depth in future episodes, but I just want to say right now that this view of self-ownership and property right is not a denial of communities and our existing with one another. Right, right. We also understand libertarianism in the broader ethical context of God's moral prohibition of murder and theft. And that includes rape, assault, kidnapping, fraud, the credible threatening of such things as well as in the context of the Bible's affirmation of what is called lex talionis, or the law of proportionate retribution. In simple terms, you can see that if what someone is doing is not an initiation of coercion against the person or property of someone else, then it would be a violation of the law of proportionality to use coercion against them. And there is an even deeper connection between our libertarianism and our Reformed faith, which we'll discuss in future episodes, but briefly, 
We hold to a reformed philosophical understanding of theory and theoretical thinking, sometimes called neo-Calvinist or reformational philosophy. And this holds that in every field of thought, such theory-making is dependent by necessity on a more basic view of reality, which in turn is guided by religious assumptions, even when you suppose that you have no religious views at all or think you are theorizing in some neutral way with respect to your religious views. The reformational view we hold to is in contrast to a number of other views of the general relation between religious belief and theory. Some of those other prominent views are a rationalist view, an irrationalist view, a biblicist view, and a scholastic view, all of which have several varieties. So that's reformed libertarianism in a nutshell. We'll be talking, like I said, more about this in future episodes, really diving in. It's what our podcast is about. So with that, we want to actually introduce ourselves to you all. And I'm actually going to start by introducing Gregory. So Gregory was born and largely raised in Baltimore, Maryland, and in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. In his high school years, he discovered an interest in philosophy and theology. And Gregory is currently writing a master's thesis on the philosophy of Hermann Doivert at Northwest University in South Africa. He's also spent almost a decade teaching English as a second language and has lived in seven different countries outside the U.S. Gregory is presently living in the Susquehanna Valley of Pennsylvania, and he enjoys speculative fiction, folk and jazz music, and classic Art Deco-style diners. And in 2008, he became convinced of libertarian anarchism and began exploring how the Reformed faith grounds a libertarian view of civil governance. You know me so well. (laughs) I want to tell you about Carrie. Tell me if I get anything wrong here. Okay. Carrie was born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico, raised in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, LCMS. But she began her discovery of the Reformed faith around 2007. Mm-hmm. She's an independent researcher and writer with a BA in philosophy from Arizona State University. And her website is mereliberty.com. She focuses on libertarian philosophy and reform theology. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Gary challenges readers to rethink prevailing paradigms in politics, theology, and culture in articles and videos. She explores how a reform perspective provides an alternative to patriarchalism, feminism, egalitarianism, and complementarianism. Carrie's also a single homeschooling mother of three, all above the age of 12. That's right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Declan's 12. She enjoys outdoor activities in the local Jemez Mountains mm-hmm. and stereotypically introverted hobbies such as puzzles and brain teasers, but apparently not Sudoku. <laughs> But it's the only brain you have gotten me right into now. Wordle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're into Wordle now. Yeah, we're into if Wordle now. that's not already passe. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's see. As I remember, we met because we were chatting in a Reformed Libertarianism Facebook group around 2016. Mm-hmm. And I asked why you weren't a Libertarian anarchist. Mm-hmm. And then it was all downhill. It was a slippery slope from there. Yep. Yeah, there's this running joke among libertarians that it takes about six months to go from minarchist to anarchist. And it took me way longer than that. I was minarchist for like eight years. You hadn't met me yet. (laughs) (laughs) It was true. (laughs) Actually, I had had some mental barriers. I think Romans 13 was Mm -hmm. the biggest mental barrier uh, and certainly is for a lot of people. There were four other barriers in my mind, which I still think are pretty standard for, for minarchists. 
Three of those have to do with the legitimacy, necessity, and inevitability of the state. So is the state legitimate? Is it necessary because we're sinners? And is it just inevitable? No matter what we try, we're going to wind up with a state. And then the last thing that was a mental barrier was just conceiving of a stateless civil governance, what that meant, right? Because it's so easy to think of the state and civil governance as being synonymous. Now, Gregory, I remember you maintaining or wanting to maintain a very strong consistency with the Reformed Confessions, which, you know, it's very easy to wax poetic about philosophy without bearing in mind theology and, and proper doctrine. So you've had a strong consistency with the Reformed Confessions. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember one of the ways you've done that is through the neo-Calvinist view on sphere sovereignty, which is pretty convincing in my book. So... Yeah, and all those topics, the question of Romans 13, the legitimacy, necessity, inevitability of a state, conceiving of a of stateless civil governance and sphere sovereignty, we hope to have future episodes on all that. Probably have links in the show notes. So the last thing we want to mention is who we believe this podcast is for. Obviously, we want our fellow Reformed Libertarians to listen to it but we hope that others would be interested in as well. So those would be confessionally reformed believers who are libertarian or not, other libertarians of whatever stripe. So we've already mentioned minarchists. Those are people who support a minimal state of some kind, other kinds of anarchists, which we I'm sure we'll have a chance to sort of dissect the variants of anarchism in the future. We also hope that people just interested in liberty or constitutionalism or classical liberalism, some of these other philosophies or ways of thinking about civil governance will also listen to our podcast. And then we anticipate that those who are not yet libertarian will find our perspectives informative and challenging. And Christians who are not presently reformed, but who are interested in better understanding a reformed perspective on faith and culture will find these topics we address of value as well. I'd say that one of our emphases is going to be on theological consistency, which can sometimes go by the wayside, you know, when you're talking about politics and that sort of thing. Yeah, we'll do our best. Well, maybe that covers a wide audience, Mm -hmm. English speakers anyway. And of course, we're speaking largely out of our own American context, but we should add that while the level, so to speak, at which we discuss our topics may not be a general level or at a popular level, we aim to make sometimes technical or academic discussion accessible to thoughtful people who take these issues seriously and who are interested in considering them non-superficially with a little more depth. We'll do our best to translate whatever jargon or shorthand terms we use so they can be understood. Our mission is to educate and inspire libertarians and reform believers to embrace and promote a view of libertarianism as grounded in the reformed faith and informed by a reformed worldview. So we welcome your feedback, questions, or comments, or suggestions. Please contact us by email or social media. Thanks for listening to the Reformed Libertarians podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute with Carrie Baldwin and Gregory Baus. See the website for each episode's show notes and sign up for our email list. Don't forget to rate and review Reformed Libertarians podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Find our email and social media on our contact page at reformedlibertarians.com.